Hello and welcome to the VIP pod. I'm Emma, one of your hosts. In this series, we meet a range of people who are visually impaired. We're hoping to raise awareness of people who've got many different sight conditions, all whilst having a great conversation and having a bit of a laugh too. My name's Emma Martins. And my name's Michael Werdingham. Who are we talking to today, Emma? We are talking to Adam Morse, who is a film director, which is amazing. <laughs> he He's normally out in LA, hanging out in all those lovely Hollywood parties. However, mm-hmm. he's in lockdown <laughs> back in London. So, um, which was, it meant that we we got him to do our podcast and he he's blind. Isn't he? He's he is, yeah. So we spoke to him when he was in London and uh, not long after his film Lucid was released mm, and uh, yeah. he told us about creating that and the people that he worked with on, on that film. Yeah, he, he was with um, Sadie Frost, wasn't he? And, yeah. And what's the other guy's name? Billy Zane is the other chap. Billy yeah. Zane. So. Yeah. yeah, no, he's an incredible guy, really young. He's still so young. I think he's only in his 30s. Yeah, um, he's right. done so much, hasn't he? And he said that he, uh, Billy Zane was really helpful and gave him the mm. confidence to disclose that he uh, had sight loss. Initially, when he started making the film, he hadn't told anyone. Yeah. And he said Billy really helped him get that confidence. And it was, a, it was a really amazing chat. Yeah, let's take a listen. are you from? I am from Kingston, up on Thames. Uh, cool. Oh, nice. And what was your early life like? My early life um, was very similar to life now, which is just, you know, me making the most of every day, trying to make people laugh and having fun entertaining people. This is what I've always done. So uh, doing it professionally now and storytelling through the, through the medium of film is um is me you know doing what i've i've always enjoyed doing the most and, and how old are you if you don't mind me asking oh, that's a personal question i'm joking i know, yeah. <laughs> I, know. Uh, I have just uh turned 30 <sighs> wow out the 20s now it's getting serious try the 40s <laughs> that's what happens <laughs> next <laughs> so you work in film have you had a career highlight so far or where have you been how- how did it all start, your career in film? Uh, my career in film started just over five years ago, uh, six years ago, actually, um, when I made my first short film. And I uh, you know, wrote and directed it uh, and produced it uh, out of my own pocket. And it did well. It played at different film festivals around the world. It had its uh, world premiere at the London Independent Film Festival, where it won the Audience Award for Best Short Film. And uh, later screened um, at the uh, Cannes uh, mm-hmm. Film Festival, the Cannes March to Film, and um, went on to another awards. And uh, that was what uh, gave me my first taste of uh, uh, directing mm-hmm. and being behind the camera. Because until then, I uh, was w- working as an actor, uh, mainly doing theatre. And um, in fact, the the whole purpose of me making a short film was to showcase myself as an actor but in the end I uh decided to stay behind the camera and um yeah I I was I found myself in a in a position 
where I could, you know, pitch myself as an award-winning director after the success of the short film. And I had been uh, working on the script for my first feature length movie, Lucid, which is, uh, you know, just been released in, here in the UK and is available out now. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's by far my proudest achievement as a, uh, as an artist for sure, because so much, so much, uh, so much love and time and passion went into making the project and you know it's taken me the last five years from its conception to getting it into the market now and it's uh you know such a great feeling and and uh very rewarding to you know see it out there in the world and have audiences enjoy it yeah where do you live are you london based yes i'm in uh i've moved from south to west and now i'm in chiswick park have you traveled much for your job in film and that sort of stuff yes uh Back and forth a lot from Los Angeles uh, over the last few years, especially uh, after shooting Lucid. Spent a lot of time in LA last year. Um, I have representation over there. So I'm attached to a couple of projects with uh, companies in America. And obviously things are kind of at a standstill at the moment for a lot of people in the industry. Although some productions are going ahead again now. And it's, um, yeah, it's somewhere where I definitely see myself um, working a lot more in the future. Did you find it's because I worked in TV throughout my career? That's kind of what I did until I got ill, and then I, I'm hopefully going to try to get back to that. It is quite a hard time and a stressful occupation. It's quite full on. And how have you found that? Well, I've always been a very positive person by nature. Uh, mm. I think from birth, I've always been, you know, a half full attitude when tackling any kind of form of disappointment or rejection and you know in this uh in this entertainment industry when you're especially when you're starting out in the beginning there's a lot of rejection and no's and being turned down and um i you know i i found that to be you know disheartening at times like it is for anyone but I, i was always quick to pick myself back up again and um just keep going and keep pushing because I've always, you know, uh, believed in what I'm able to contribute, um, mm. to the arts and, and every time that I was discriminated because of my condition, I never took too much offense to it because at the end of the day, I, I understand that there are not that many reference points out there, mm. um, working at the top level when it comes to you know well if i'm specifically talking about blind film directors uh i don't think there are enough um reference points out there to give confidence to the gatekeepers you know and the the people who make the decisions on who gets a green light to do something or and um so now you know i'm fired up more than ever really to to work even harder in the film industry to blaze a trail for future artists and other differently abled people like myself so that they can have more opportunities and then I can be a reference point for them so that when they're talking to financiers or you know execs they can point to me to you know prove so I can lead by example and be the proof that it's possible um you know and I've 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 worked hard and been very dogged in my journey to to you know make my dream a reality and and to and to and to make my movie and uh, i'm i'm definitely now going to 
uh, power on to to make more movies and keep trying to you know exceed expectations and 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 upset the uh, the stigma as well that's attached to disability. Just tell me a little bit about your condition then. Um, and was there a moment where you you suddenly realised you couldn't see? Was there an actual moment? Well, yeah, I was uh, diagnosed in uh, 2009 and it was the spring of that year where I first started noticing uh, signs of my sight deteriorating. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a strange moment because I wasn't sure if I needed lenses. You know, I mm. went to an optician. And until that, until that moment, I had always had perfect 2020 sight. And so when they tried the different spectacles in the, in the store at Specsavers, none of them did anything. And it was the optician who suggested I go to see a doctor. And then, you know, uh, numerous, well, many, many, many trips to the hospital and to see different professors and professionals over the months uh, had me feeling very um, anxious because I wasn't sure what was happening and, and no one could tell me for certain. And a lot of the professors were speculating over what was happening to me because it took a long time for them to actually, you know, diagnose me with LHON. And um, I was being told, you know, uh, prepare yourself. It might be HIV or it could be early signs of MS. Um, mm. you, may, you, know, you might be in a wheelchair when you're older. It could be this, it could be that. And all that speculation, you know, it, it um it give it, it gave me a lot of fear just in the unknowing you know the not knowing what was happening to me so actually when I was told okay your eyesight's not coming back you've got a rare mitochondrial disease that's untreatable there's no cure for it um so you won't get your sight back and however you know this it it, it was it was almost a relief not to be a death sentence so that's again me you know glass half full <laughs> trying to trying to find the silver lining okay I've still got a chance to to live and although you know i am i I was i was then registered blind i i was still lucky that i had some partial sight left um uh peripherally a little bit that i could um navigate familiar spaces um okay and um and then from that moment yeah i just had to go on a spiritual journey to uh, you know, rebuild myself mentally. And to be honest, it's still a, a daily practice for me. You know, every, every day is an exercise in trying to rebuild myself mentally because I'm still struggling every day, living with a disability in my, you know, day-to-day life. It's, it's mm-hmm. hard. You know, I have a limited independence where I have to count on other people for silly, stupid things that anyone else would take for granted. And although I feel very empowered as an artist and mm-hmm. working in the industry and the success that I'm getting, it's, it's, you know, it's a good feeling, but, you know, it's countered by the really, you know, <laughs> mundane things that, you know, I, I wish you know, I, I could do for myself. Um, mm. But, you know, ultimately, I'm, I'm very grateful to be on the journey that I'm on because I feel I can, I can do a lot of good in, in, in the position I'm in. I feel like I have a, a unique opportunity and responsibility to uh, inspire other people and try and motivate those that are less positive and ambitious and just try and encourage everyone to believe in themselves a bit more and and uh, and not give up so how much can you actually see would you say i'm actually a registered b2 which in uh well at least in this country in the uk there's four there's four categories of blindness before if you have something i think you know like maybe it might be treatable 
and you have uh, a certain level of partial sight. B1, if you can't see anything, and that's you know as worse as it gets, I think. But then, yeah, I'm actually registered B2, so one below that. If you if you were if you were looking through my eyes, you would see trillions of flashing lights and dots that are microscopic pinpricks in the dead center of your vision, um, and they're constantly exploding. Um, but you kind of get used to it, <laughs> and um, wow. basically they are all concentrated in the middle like i say the dead center of your vision is basically the the dead cells in the middle of the optic nerve and that mutation is represented as these flashing neon dots and as you go outwards into the peripheral vision they start to dissipate and there's less and less of them so it goes from there being trillions in the middle to then outwards and billions then outwards more millions and less and less but they're kind of everywhere exploding and flashing so if i look directly at something or someone they're obscured by these lights. And if I was to look slightly to the side, through the side of my eye, I would have a better, uh, mm-hmm. you know, look at the image of what that is. But um, I can't, you know, look into someone's face unless they are, unless I am inappropriately close to them <laughs> or <laughs> unless they're, uh, you know, on a big monitor or screen and i've got my face up against that screen and i could see someone's face on a giant screen but um yeah i i, I can't i can't read uh, or see things at a, at a distance yeah i i can't read either it's very frustrating <laughs> mm. it's really hard it's just like and and i have to do a screen reader to try to read something on my phone to you know to actually talk back and you Same. have to just get used to it to try to make sure you can adequately use it what has been the best thing that's helped you would you say technology has played such a big part in in enabling me to be able to write screenplays communicate with teams of people uh you know um manage different staff uh, departments Mm. and and uh and, and you know take these projects from being pipe dreams to you know fully fledged products um Amazing. you know whether it's a you know a motion picture or, a, or or a song and you know what it's it's been music for the for the most part that has been my my biggest inspiration and, and always has been mm-hmm. even before film and uh and acting directing you know uh it's it's been i think for me the the first love in in story in, in, in you know in storytelling and and entertaining people through music and you know i've always um enjoyed being a, a singer a rapper performer in in you know private spaces whether it's like how you know parties house parties or with friends mm-hmm. you know and although i have played some you know gigs at like you know pubs bars clubs and places like that but i've never put myself out there um professionally as an artist in music uh until now and i'm actually uh working on my first mixtape uh and my first uh my first single is going to be coming out in the in the next week Uh, yeah it's a song called it's a song called when do we end and uh feature uh, and it's myself and a very talented canadian artist called isaac and it's going to be available on apple music and spotify and you know you'll be able to download it and listen to it yeah. on all those platforms but yeah I always use music as a way to recharge myself and um mm. and you know realign my my energy and you know if I was having a down moment 
where mm. I was feeling disheartened. The fastest way to get myself back on track was just through listening or creating music. I, I've really not been utilising music at all because of my brain injury. It's meant that my brain doesn't relax at all unless it's quiet. So I've really struggled. So I've got to start training myself to start enjoying and listening to music again because I always used to. I'm about to move into a new house and you know live on my own. And I just thought that that might be a good time to really start using it again to relax, basically. It's the right kind of music you have to find for yourself that's going to help you get into, you know, to, to feel like you're in, the, you know, a, a headspace where you can compartmentalise being able to think and enjoy the music, yes. uh, even if it's in the background. And I'm, I'm sometimes finding myself struggling with concentration. And if, if there was any bands that I could recommend or suggest, some of the instrumental ones like um, mm. Explosions in the Sky, I, I would I would listen to because they're they're the easy listening for me where you know it's really atmospheric uh, in in a way that is beautiful but it's not too um, hectic or distracting where it like steals the focus from maybe something else that you're doing or allows you to think as well. So script writing, um, it was something that I was going to do. It's very hard. I imagine my, my memory is terrible, but I mean script writing and not being able to see what are the tools that you use. A mix of, you know, Zoom text, JAWS, um, okay. you know, making notes with a dictation software as well. And you know what, out of everything that I do uh, artistically, writing is, is definitely the hardest uh, discipline, I think. Mm. For me, I, I feel it's, it's very rewarding, but the process is mm. even more arduous when you obviously can't see and you're having to list, especially when it comes to formatting. You yeah. know, it's, it's fine to just kind of like stream your consciousness and just type away. Yeah. But then when it comes uh, to formatting something back, making sense of it, and but not being able to see the structure of the page in front of you and having to do that with, you know, and see it with your ears, mm. that can be extra time consuming. And I guess that takes me to a little bit, I know we, we touched on it a while before, but tell me a little bit about the film. It sounds incredible i've got so where do we find it and tell me a little bit about lucid yeah it's it's so lucid's available in sky store now you can rent it or buy it it's also available on uh amazon virgin itunes to download uh, you can get on play playstation and xbox as well so uh, pretty much all the video on demand platforms it's a uh, it's a psychological thriller a sci-fi psychological thriller about a boy who uses dream therapy to overcome his social anxiety. And the, the story is very much uh, coming of age, but uh, so much more than that, actually, because in the space of a week where he learns how to lucid dream, and for those, for those uh, listeners who don't know what lucid dreaming is, it's basically where you're able to become conscious and essentially be awake while you're asleep and take control of your dreams and have a you know first person perspective where you're you know pulling the strings and uh, does that happen <laughs> does that it, actually it, happen in real life it does and i does i've it? actually been yes i've been practicing it for many years myself and that's where the inspiration that's for the nice. story came from I, I i wrote the movie largely based on my own experiences so it's kind of semi autobiographical and um the yeah the, the 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 practice of lucid dreaming is very accessible to anyone really um and even if you don't remember your dreams you can mm. actually induce yourself to lucid dream and, and and begin to remember your dreams um if you practice certain techniques 
And uh, I mean, the film does touch on this and Billy Zane's character, Elliot, he, he gives the audience a kind of basic how-to. And, uh, and so the film is a kind of user's guide, like beginner's you know, manual in How to Lose a Dream. But it's, it's not a documentary in How to Lose a Dream. That's not what the film is. The movie is, a, you know, it's a subliminal adventure where you, you follow this boy on a journey through his own mind nocturnally where he's, you know, rehearsing the art of seduction and trying to speak to this girl that he's infatuated with in waking life. And he becomes very obsessed with his dream memories and his dream life. And uh, he actually begins to lose touch with reality. And so what would you say that people would take from watching the film? From the audiences that I've spoken to, you know, the people that have seen the movie, it's, it seems to really resonate with younger audiences, especially, I think, because it, the film deals a lot with, you know, validation and self-validation and what it means to be confident in your own skin and to accept yourself. The film kind of lets, you, lets people know that, you know, it's okay to be different and you can sort of go against the grain and, and do things in your own way like Zell, you know, who's mm-hmm. a bit of an awkward character when we first meet him and he's unable to even look, make eye contact with with people really. But then, you know, after a week of using lucid dreaming as a way to kind of practice being social, he's then able to actually hold his own in, when he's awake. And um, I, I think, you know, the, the, the real key theme and message of the movie is, is the, the confidence isn't something you find because, you know, you hear that expression a lot, you know, someone finding their confidence. Oh yeah. They found their confidence. Mm. You, confidence is something you create, you know, mm. and, um, yeah. and, 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 and anyone can do it. Sometimes it means you have to take yourself out of your comfort zone, go mm. to a new, a new place, maybe around new people and then reinvent yourself and then be someone else or, you know, be who you are and that those people accept you for that but yeah the, the the power and the fragility of the subconscious is what people seem to debate after they've seen it you know it, it's a real talking point about what we can do with our minds when you um started to lose your sight was there a time where when did it take you a while to start talking about it? did you start talking about it in the press or when did that all happen yes so i i i was very private about my condition for the first 10 years it wasn't until I actually delivered the finished film that I felt it was time to actually mm-hmm. open up and come out of the blind closet, so to speak. Because yeah. you know, in, in this, in the film, in the film industry, it's very fickle, um, and there are a lot of, you know, shallow mindsets around how people with you know disabilities are looked at. And unfortunately, you know, that's just the way things are right now. I knew that if I was going to be able to change the stigma and change people's mindsets, the only way to do that was to sort of play the game and uh, try and get through the um, the green light uh, process undetected and then not make it a cause, you know, not make it like a sympathy thing, you know, oh, let's back this person because, you know, and th- th- I didn't want it to be a part of the conversation. I wanted to surprise and actually make my movie, uh, you know, deliver the finished film and then say, by the way, I'm actually registered blind and that's what I did I didn't you know confess to the press and and open up until about a week before we had our world premiere at Edinburgh Film Festival I remember the Guardian wrote an article and and so did Variety magazine and I had a lot of people uh, friends actually who were who came who who saw that and found out through the press Mm. people that I had been friends with for some of them years and and then maybe you you hearing that you think well surely friends a loud word if you can't tell them something personal like that but a lot of these acquaintances a lot of them were kind of 
offended and going, well, why didn't you tell me? And I had to explain that it was important to me that I was not judged on my condition before I'd actually, you know, made the film. Most people understood. And so, yeah, now, obviously, I, I appreciate that it feels like a responsibility to be as candid and as open as I can be and use different platforms to speak about being differently abled because I know that other people that might be in a position like I was in, you know, five years ago, thinking about making their dream a reality, that it's, it's going to give them inspiration to, to know that someone else has done it and been through it. Yeah, it's quite hard to know when you're meant to disclose your disability, isn't it? It's a massive thing to know whether it, how it's going to affect you. I definitely uh, feel very optimistic about the wider landscape changing uh, when it, uh, uh, around how people look at differently abled artists and there's still lots to be done. I'm already noticing a positive difference in the way that I'm now being looked at when I'm you know, talking about my next projects and my next mm-hmm. film that I'm you know, developing things I want to do compared to when I was sat down pitching Lucid five mm. years ago and I was being shut down and told no and quite blatantly discriminated against. And that's, you know, again, that's one of the reasons why I decided I'm going to stop talking about my condition because, mm. you know, every time that I was open back then, it would just lead to a negative experience of someone marginalizing me or, you know, having a, a misconception about what I was capable of. What would you say the best bit of advice you could give for someone who's out there listening, who's losing their sight? What would you say? If you're told no, let it go in one ear and out the other. (laughs) And um, if you believe in yourself and you keep going forwards and and you keep driving towards whatever your goal is, you'll get there eventually. I mean, mm-hmm. for the people that it, you know, it doesn't happen for everyone. The thing is like those people, they eventually give up and that's why it doesn't happen for them. So, you know, it, everyone has a different journey. Everyone has their own path, I think in life. But mm-hmm. if you, if, if, if there's someone out there listening who, who wants to tell a story, whether it's through music or through film, or even if it's not even something artistic, if you have a business venture, if you have a dream and you want to take it from something that's in your mind's eye, a vision in your head of something that you're seeing that could be a reality and you want to bring it to life and, and have it be real, then you can force it into existence. You can manifest it. I, I really do believe in the law of attraction and, and, and it comes down to positive thinking a lot of the time. You know, if, mm. if, you, have, if you have positive thoughts, that'll attract other positive outcomes for you. And I've, I've, I've found that to be true. In my experiences, if if you're told no, or if you, if you're rejected and you're and you're finding it an uphill battle or a struggle, just don't stop because you'll get there eventually. And what happens next for you? Where where do you go next? I, you know, I've been working on a number of different uh, projects, and um, I'm hoping that I'm going to get to uh, direct my next movie before the end of this year. But we'll see. Obviously, everything's a little touch and go at the moment. I'm working on a, a slate of films with my new production company, Morvara Entertainment. Myself and my producing partner, Julia, Julia Vavara, we've both got an, a number of different t- uh, episodic TV shows and, and feature films that we're going to be developing and producing. Wow. Lovely to hear your story. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And thanks so much for coming on the VIP pod. Good luck with it all. Good luck with LA. Good luck with everything. And hopefully um, maybe see you in the future. (laughs) Thanks, Emma. Thank you. (laughs) Anytime. Pleasure. Speak soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. 
please subscribe so you never miss an episode. Feel free to get in touch with the team by emailing thevippod at gmail.com.